Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Roy Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Max Gorn, Melbourne Football Club. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey, friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. Hope you're well and enjoying your pre-season of 2022. Big podcast we got lined up for you today where we're looking at a couple of unlucky options. 10 players that didn't make the 50 most relevant right throughout January and big chunks of February. There were the daily articles at coachespanel.tv. There was the daily podcast that you're getting right at the same platform you're hosting this episode right now. We looked at who I thought were the most relevant players at the time in fantasy footy now. A little bit has changed, and there are a few guys that through December, as I built the list, and even as the preseason information has started to drop through, could count themselves as unlucky to not make the 50. Joining me to talk through these 10 players, I've got Kane. Hello, buddy. How are you? Very well, MJ. Yes, it's a big task, and it's one I'm sure that if you redid it today, it would be very, very different. It's just the nature of the list, isn't it? I think that's it. Ultimately, when we build the list, and there is some fluid nature to some movements that do come in and throughout the preseason, but there are certain players, and maybe one we might start off the list with an Isaac Heaney. He's unlucky not to have made the 50 most relevant. We know historically he's got multiple seasons of 90-plus averages from 27 to 2018, um, 2019. Sorry, His averages in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team were 92, 90, 89, while in Supercoach, 97, 97, 94. We know historically he's a low to mid-90s guy. And then kind of late January, the news dropped that the club have said, we're going to play him through the midfield. He's unlucky not to have made that list because he'll be a very good option if he has that rotation. Well, that's the thing, MJ, wasn't it? When you when you got up to that point in the 50 most relevant, you know, you're talking about the mid-20s at that point. And... and all we really had was an article. As exciting as it is, and I'm sure that maybe in two two weeks or so, when we've actually maybe seen it this preseason, we've seen some of the games that are going to be taking place in the coming weeks. You know, I'm sure he would be a guy that would rise and, and probably would be pushing that top 20 because with the midfield opportunities he's had in the past, he has shown genuine fantasy scoring. So it's, there's a lot to be excited about, especially when you consider that we're getting him at his lowest point in recent history too. So there's a lot to like about Isaac Heaney and it does feel real, which I know a lot of people were scared off in the past. Yeah. Maybe the Callum Mills breakout last year eases people's minds about picking some Sydney players. Oh, I think it certainly does. And we look at our forward line structure. We've had some adjustments with Mitch Duncan's calf injury of note. Coaches probably that weren't currently holding Isaac Heaney now see this as an easy way to get to him without breaking structure too much and might even see it as a way of freeing up some cash elsewhere. So uh, I agree. I, I can see Isaac Heaney right in the mix for a top 10 forward across the formats. I, I think he goes 90 plus um, and could even go 100 plus if there's that right CBA attendance. Oh, absolutely, MJ. Absolutely. Could. He just seems like it's been there. It's sort of almost like Petrarca where we saw the glimpses. Yeah, it's a good call. And we know in Isaac's case, it's a bit more like the role. He hasn't really had that opportunity. He's such a damaging board. And I guess the way the draft fell in recent years, they've recruited a lot of mids. So it didn't seem like it was even maybe going to eventuate at all. When you think about Robottom and Warner and Stevens, these type of guys, mm. it felt like Isaac might be stuck for, and stuck because he's played so well there. So 
to have this mail and it, you know it come in recent times, it's obviously super exciting. I think um, we all want to see what he can do in that role. Mm. Yeah, I I so. think it's really fair. He's going to be a great pick this year. And had the fifty started mid January, not the first of January. There might have been a way for me to have squeezed him in. I think he's going to be a very nice option this year. Another player unlucky to miss the 50 most relevant, I reckon. Carlton's captain, Patrick Cripps. Twofold, I suppose, for us um, came for why he's missed. Number one, Sam Walsh now out for the first four to six weeks of the season. And we hope not, but potentially even longer. We know syndesmosis injuries can be quite tricky to come back from. And then we look at what he's priced at, and that is a factor in what makes a player relevant, is their price point in comparison to what they can do. He's priced almost 20 points per game less at what he did in his 2019 season just two years ago, and he's priced nearly 30 points per game less to what he was coming off the back of at 2019 in Supercoach. So the upside for Cripps could be monumental this year. Yeah, well, we know his best is absolutely good enough, isn't it, MJ? You know, when yeah. he's at his best, he is one of the best fantasy scorers. You know, particularly in, in Supercoach, he's, he's been one of the best. And in DT, he's also shown big stretches. We spoke about in another podcast about how he had this epic finish to one year, then he continued it on in the first half. But he does have these fade-outs, whether it's injury-affected or roll or tag. Mm. Uh, but it just shows how big his, his feeling is and Again, you throw in another 30 disposals to be spread out with the with the absence of Walsh. And again, of course, we know Hewitt, we know Chera um, are into this team, which is which is something different and unique that Carlton haven't had. But Cripps, when he's on, when he's fit, is a genuine beast. And as yeah. we spoke about with Heaney, when you're getting them at a at a low, that's the all key, of a sudden, isn't it? That risk, yeah, the risk is is obviously a lot less, um, and the upside is huge, like you mentioned. Now. Can he get back to that level? That's the question. Who knows? Um, you know, you hope he gets a good run of it with his body. Um, you know, we, there was you know, everyone sort of made those jokes, didn't they, that Cripps has been carrying Carlton for years, and unfortunately, it, it did take a load on him. So mm. we really hope that he's fit and firing because um, he's a beautiful player to watch, and also he is a fantasy player. I think we've sort of forgotten a bit about that in yeah. recent times. Um, but even last year, he did have those stretches, didn't he? There were he multiple showed, you know, weeks. The tackling yeah. numbers were up, and. Um, I think it's still there. It's just how much is maybe why he'd be a guy that, you know, with this news, maybe he'd sneak into the 40s, mm. the high 40s, I think. Yeah. Um, but it sure is it sure is nice looking at those previous numbers, MJ, isn't it? and envisaging a, a Patrick Cripps back at that level. Oh, if you could, if you jump on a Patrick Cripps, because at that price point, he, he's around about the same range as a Caleb Sarong uh, across the formats. And so historically... He's a 115-plus guy safely in Supercoach and a 105-110 to 110 guy in DT and AF. If he goes at that range for the first four to six weeks before Sam Walsh comes back, he can become a really viable stepping stone for you with so many trades available to us now across the formats. He doesn't have to be the premium breakout guy that you hold for the year at that range. Instead, he can become your avenue if you're going against a Tuke Miller or a Tom Mitchell early, he's the way to get there quickly and have the points on field too. Yeah, absolutely. Again, you got to time your run perfectly with that. Yep. I think you're, you're hoping for, uh, honestly, if you're going to do a move like that, you're hoping for old Crips, you know, which yeah, is a guy that. that can go, you know, again, in the back half of 2018, he went 
120 post by, and then he continued on at the start of 2019, you know, going 115 for the first eight weeks. I think that's the dream scenario you're asking for. You basically want eight you, weeks. You want the clock Uber back, quick. don't you? Yeah. yeah. You want you want 125 super coach. It's quick cash. It's quick points. Um, and you have to jettison. I think that's why it can be a bit awkward because do you really want to be doing that at that price range? I know mm. we've got extra trades. Um, I think ideally, obviously you pick him, he gets back to a, you know, 105, 110 guy in DT and a 115, 120 type of guy in super coach. Mm. That's what you're hoping for. You're hoping for a full on revival. I'd be wary of the stepping stone, but hey, you know, with that opportunity, maybe you can time your run and, and pull off a bit of a cash and points maneuver. Yeah, and I think that's what coaches must be hoping for. So it's fascinating to see what he does. Another unlucky option, Cam Rayner, the former number one pick, mid-forward. Never really, in fact, never has averaged 60 or above in Dream Team and Fantasy. Had one kind of emerging season in 2020 where he averaged 73. But I think what's got coaches frothing a little bit over him is twofold. Kane, I'm keen on your take here. Mid-forward status is obviously a key element. How much he's being desired to get into that midfield. And we saw that even before the ACL 12 months ago where Chris Fagan was wanting to get this dynamic component of Rainer into the midfield. He'd worked the tank a little bit, then the knee hit. So I think that's a core element is that desire to get in through the midfield, add something different to the mix. Then the second, which is ultimately the key element while we're looking at him, his price point in contrast to what his scoring capacity might be. Well, let's not beat around the bush here. He's been the hottest name of the preseason. Yeah. No one's, according to reports, having a better preseason than Cam Rayner. That's the type of buzz that's coming his way. Now, we do have to be fair to him. He has averaged 60. It's just an adjusted from the 2020 All right, season. Fine. So I know that's a little bit cheeky because I think a lot of people you know, do trumpet that. I think the main thing that you get excited, though, is that it's the role, isn't it? If you're a centre-bounce midfielder um, and you're playing in a team like Brisbane and you're the number one pick and with the traits that Cam Rain has got, That's I feel right. like a lot of people think, how do you go under 75? And he's been given a lot of time. Again, the reports, which is all we can go on, is he's moving well. And I think that's what's most exciting. I, I look at his you know, career numbers. He's only had 20 disposals twice in his career. So that's yeah. the thing for me. And we spoke about it with Petrarca a few years ago. If in the preseason we can see that ball winning up there into the mm. 20s, that would be what I want to see or at least hear in these scratch matches. Is he actually winning the ball? Because that's that's what you need to have that safety. We know, you know, in seasons past and looking at his last sort of four games of, well, even if you look at the finals in 2020 when he actually last did play, you know, and these are COVID scores, so, you know, keep that in mind, but a 36 25, but then there's also a 71, a 28, an 81, a 56. So there's some real crazy volatility. Mm. Clearly at that price, though, if he even gets to 70, yeah, it's probably done his role. Um, and again, you can always hope, can't you, MJ, with those type of guys that if you time it right and there is a 85, 90, maybe even 100 score in there, you can really time that run perfectly, get off at the top price. Yeah. You've got a good average to his name. And you move on. I don't think anyone's thinking season long. I think that would no, be a yeah, bit of a stretch. So. I agree. Um, I think he's a guy that, you know, you roll to his buy at, at longest. Yep. Um, and especially, you know, he's got the round 14 buy, so that does Perfect. make it 
isn't it? A bit easier. Yeah. Um, but I think we're just more excited, aren't we, about the prospect of a fit, healthy Cam Moreno. You know, when you think about his draft mate being an, being an Andy Brayshaw, yeah. Sherer, and even Davies Uniac last year really showing things. We know Jaden Stevenson yep. has shown really big scores. Uh, I think we're just excited that this guy can finally deliver. And we saw him dominate at the junior levels now, and it finally feels like his body and fitness will allow him to display that on the big stage. Yeah, and that's the thing. We have to know that not only is he coming off a serious long-term layoff with the ACL, he's also, that was known in his draft year, that it was yeah. going to be a bit of bit of time, just the way, you know, he, he even said, I think, that he had you know, not a great tank, and that was going to take time. So I yeah. think, you know, after making his debut in 2018, MJ, that's a, that's a few pre-seasons. And as I said, I know with the knee, but it sounds like he's really confident in his body. He's yeah. moving well. and That's true. Um, if he's been rewarded with that type of inside mid-roll, hearing the stuff and reading the stuff that came out very recently about potentially pushing a Neil and a, and a Lions more forward, I think that speaks volumes for the preparation that a guy like Cameron has put in to deserve that role and, and maybe force those guys to do other things. Yeah, no, I think it's a really fair shout. He's very unlucky not to have made the 50 most relevant. And remember what you're paying for him. It's under 300K in Supercoach, just under 400K in AFL Fantasy, and around about 320 in Dream Team. So if you're looking for that M5 kind of guy that's not quite a cash cow, but also not quite that middle stepping stone range, he feels like that nice in-between space. And with that buy round, I think he's that perfect option. I'd be watching his preseason games, watching what this CBA split is like, what's the trend. But again, I think he's a brilliant option for us and very unlucky not to make the 50 most relevant. One thing that doesn't happen very often through the 50 most relevant, and I think there's only two players that have broken this trend over the numerous years that we've done it, um, is players that have been recently drafted into the AFL system as draftees in their 18th year of living getting straight into the 50 most relevant because there's so many unknowns outside of Matt Rowell and Sam Walsh I haven't put any first year brand new draftees we've put guys like a Tim Kelly or a, uh, I think even a Michael Gibbons might have even made it one year in the 50 most relevant to show you how long we've been doing this um, because they're proven and established sort of options whereas these first year guys generally don't make it Elijah Hollins did this year but again, he's 12 months into his AFL career, being in an elite system, albeit coming off an injury. We're talking about two guys. Let's put them side by side to really make it fair. Nick Dacos and Jason Horn francis Both, let's be honest, unlucky not to make it. Let's talk about Nick for a second. Um, here's his scores in Supercoach from his five NAB League games last year. 177, 166, 145, 169, and 138. Not bad. His AFL fantasy numbers, they're just as good, but he's averaging 136 over those games and going at 35.8 disposals per game. He's a ball magnet with all formats having DPP in season. The role and the talk out of the club is he's going to play a, a split midfield and halfback role, which means probably came by round six, we get this really great best 22 guy now available in our back lines. Yeah, well, it's exactly right, MJ. And his numbers are comparable, uh, maybe even better in some cases than yeah. what Raul and, and Walsh are doing. I, I think, honestly, the thing with these guys is, you know, especially those guys, their top-end price tag. I think, you know, when you mentioned an Elijah Hollands 
you know, that year. Basement price, yeah. Removed, it does put in basement price. You had DPP from the jump. Um, I think as well, sometimes you've got to remember with these with these podcasts is we want to have a bit to talk about. And honestly, I think that gives all of those guys that aren't the draftees the edge. You've, mm. you've seen them play. You've got things to talk about. Yes. You know, it, it's sometimes with a Horn Francis and a Dacos type, it's like, yeah, they've got great junior numbers. And right. They're clearly highly touted players, but they're not very conversational. And I think that's something that the coaches panel sort of thrives on is the conversation. So I think yeah. unless they're really, really clear cut, um, sometimes they just don't make great content, you know, and it almost does feel you almost lose relevance in a sense because a lot of people are going to have them and it's going to be dependent on what we haven't seen yet. You yeah. know what I mean? We want to see the preseason. We want to see how they roll in. So again, I'd throw Jason Horn Francis into that yeah. conversation as well. We know incredibly talented, incredibly talented, probably Best going to pick up status of his own. Yeah. But you know, when you, as you said, when you're starting this list in January, uh, they're probably only really eligible for a, 30 to 40 sort of slot. And again, you could throw in, you know, a Josh Ward, a Josh Sin, a Campbell Chesser, these type of guys. We sort of, it almost just makes more sense to leave them out. Like maybe even in hindsight, MJ, you might agree that it's probably best to not even have a first year player really eligible. Yeah. Um, It's something that, you know, they just sort of sort themselves out in time. Yes. Um, And, and, you know, when you, as I said, when you start the series on January 1, um, there's not really much to talk about other than, yep, they were this pick and they've got pretty good junior numbers and maybe there's an opportunity in the side. But I think so much water goes under the bridge by the time you get to where we are now mm. that um, usually those those rookies just take care of themselves after a few of the practice games. They do. You start to notice it. And re- remember, sometimes it's really only been in the past two years that paying top dollar for cash cows has felt like it's had some merit. It, it's been the Rowell and the Walsh years that have gone, oh, wow, I'm not just paying for job security, which was the previous narrative of why you would quote, unquote, pay up for these guys. They've now got, we've got such an incredible pathway into the AFL. You hear clubs talk about it all the time with players see these guys coming into their first couple of months in club land and going, man, these guys are ready to go now. Um, it does. It's not the long build into it, and so the key thing, remember, with these guys, with a Horn Francis, um, with a Dacos, as great as I think they will be, I do think they'll pick up DPP back and forward during the year um, across all the formats. The key is this: when you're paying at the top price to generate the same amount of cash as a guy at the basement price. I know he's injured, but we'll use him as an illustration, like a Greg Clark where there's potentially a hundred thousand difference, they need to be going around about fifteen points per game more to generate the same amount of cash. And that's what our cash cows are for, is income generation. So don't just go, oh Clark, again, I know he's injured, it's just the illustration point. Clark went sixty. Horn Francis went sixty-five, therefore I'm better off with Horn Francis. No you would have been better off with a Clark, even a 50-50, because the scoring is comparable and the cash generation is better and you've got the extra 100K. So I think that's the only other element that's always that hesitancy for me to bring them in is there's so many unknowns in a new club and these bigger expensive cows have to overperform to what another basement cow does to really make it worthwhile. Yeah, well, that's I think that's it, right, MJ. You're trying to compare usually them. They're... The top draftee status usually depends on what's actually below. Because like you yeah. said, to use a, 
a Greg Clark. And even if we broaden that out to just say he's going up, you know, Horn Francis is going up against a mature ager, like there probably are going to be comparable scorers year one. That's where I think people need to remember. We're not trying to say that a Greg Clark, for example, is a better player yes. than Jason Horn Francis. Like clearly we know who we'd want long term, but the fact remains is we're talking about someone we want to use for six to seven to eight weeks. Yes. And that's why I think these guys are very hard to, to speak about because we really want to know who they're up against and who they're fighting out for. Are they fighting out against guys that are second and third year guys at a basement price that have, you know, applied their trade at state level and sure. and are ready for an opportunity. So that's the thing where I think with the draftees, sometimes it is just better to leave them out. Yep. No, and that's fair enough too. Another player unlucky to miss the 50 most relevant, Rowan Marsh. We managed to get a lot of Ruckman um, in a pick of 50, in a line where you can only put two on field, I managed to squeeze a few into the 50. We got O'Brien in, we got Darcy in, we got Gorn in, we got Wits in, and then Brody Grundy just a few days ago. So a fairly decent percentage size of the 50 was allocated to Ruckman. An unlucky one is Rowan Marshall. Um, I don't think the question, Kane, is will he fantasy-wise, become a great option for us. Some might argue he's already shown that in 2019, where he went 99 in Dream Team and Fantasy, 110 in Supercoach. I think the question is, when does the Ryder and Marshall co-living arrangement at R1 become a dominant to exclusive function for Marshall? Because last year, when he rucked and there was no Paddy Ryder... He went a 103.7 in Fantasy and Dream Team and a 109.3 in Supercoach. I think that's what coaches are believing and seeing for. And if he can deliver that across the formats, then he is a viable R2. Yeah, again, you're just waiting, aren't you, for that for an injury to, um, to, um, to Paddy Ryder, which obviously you don't want to cheer for. But I no. think if that was to happen, we would definitely all be really keen to jump on awfully quickly. Uh, we know in Ottoman footy, he's got the forward status. That helps. Potentially, that's something now with all the DPPs we can add throughout all the formats that, you know, maybe at times add in a way that he gains that forward status in those formats too and um, something falls his way in that regard. And um, we all know that Rowan Marshall can be a guy that can, you know, really push the 110 territory, such as his skill set. But, you know, he was really not much chance of making the 50, was the MJ, without that sort of information. Without forward status point. or a significant injury to Ryder? I couldn't put him in. But with a DPP move, and remember the percentage in the salary cap formats is only about 35% according to champion data. That's right within Marshall's wheelhouse. I was actually surprised he wasn't ruck forward, to be honest. Um, If he gets that, even if he is ruck sharing, I'm still got a lot of invested interest in Roman Marshall. I think the pennies dropped for him. You hear the club talk about him in the preseason. I know it's all with a narrative to build up a guy, but everything you hear out of club land is it's all clicked for Marshall. Rowan's finally realized what he can can be. He knows that the the security net of riders gone in twelve months' time. It's now or never for him. Oh, it sounds like he's fit as well. I think that's yeah, that too. too, isn't it? When you've got a plantar fasciitis injury, it's one that can really nag. And he, and he was in and out of the team and he was, you know, not at his very best. So I think that's the most encouraging thing is if he's fit, he's already going to be a better player. But we all know he goes to that next level yeah. when he's the solo ruck. But has Ryder still putting in some great stints? And honestly, he's still better centre bounce ruckman than Marshall. That's yeah. why he's so, he's so important in the team. So... Definitely not going to be 
too far from the 50 in, in years to come. No, he's going to be around there for a really long period of time. All right, that's six players down. Four more to let you know that are unlucky, of course. You can go and read some more thoughts that I've jotted down on these guys over at coachespanel.tv. There's a bunch of stuff that you can go and check out. That's the place where you can also get all the links to join our Patreon supporter group where you get access to an absolute bucket load of exclusive additional content. You can get hidden groups, cash leagues. There's up to 500 bucks available for you in our Coaches Panel cash leagues this year. And a person that's just jumped on board recently at that top tier as a premium supporter is Bruce Walker. Well done to you, Bruce. Thank you for your support as a Patreon member in 2022. Who's another player unlucky? Great question. Let me tell you. Jai Simpkin. He was a popular one in 2020 as a forward where he had his breakout year. But this is what he scored from round 13 onwards across the formats in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. 126, 108, 110, 99, 118, 96, 125, 106, 114, 49, and 101. Yet yeah, one score under 96. It's a, not a great game. Tagged out of it. Not a bad game. Here's what he did in Supercoach from that point on. Round 13 in Supercoach. 128, 136, 122, 73, 124, 99, 99, 104, 107, 71, and 87. He's not quite at the territory yet is he kind of being the next big thing in fantasy footy as a premium midfielder but the ingredients are all there the ceiling is there just a few games before that um he had a 38 possession game against the hawks and went 142 in dream team and fantasy 164 in super coach we saw that breakout 2020 it feels like everything's all there it's just got a gel for a season for him to go 110 115 yeah, he's a bit of a tweener, unfortunately, MJ, yeah. for where he sits in the list. You know, he's he's not quite cheap enough to be in the category of, you know, a Matt Crouch maybe or a Caleb Sarong, yeah. those type of guys. And, um, you know, he's priced around guys like Lockie Neal, who have obviously proven it, mm-hmm. you know, year on year, whereas obviously Jai, we're, you know, we're forecasting he can reach that level. And then, you know, then again, you go to the real the real big goals, your Steels, your McCrae's, your Millers. Totally. All those type of guys. So... How many mids can you fit in? I think there's going to be some people that are really big on him. Yep. You know, I think he is the number one midfielder at the club. I love his mix of inside and outside. I think he's, you know, you've got to remember he started as a small forward and was a really dangerous one. That's he right. still possesses that, that evasiveness. And, um, but also he's added this physicality too, which is, which is really impressive. Mine is something that's very unique to that team. So mm. um, I love him. I think the run home's a better indication of where he's going to be. Going forward, clearly. Yeah, about that 105 um, range, yep. Yeah, I think that's probably where you, you may be a bit greedy to ask too much more than that. I think that's why it gets hard to put on a list like 50 most relevant because while 10 points of upside from there is really, really good, um, might you not probably be enough. need... Yeah. yeah, it might not be enough. So, Especially, um, like you said, it. you can get guys comparable at a cheaper price point. Yeah, I think that's I think that's why you couldn't make the list. You yeah. know, it is the Crouches and the Sarongs and, um, you know, even the Anderson types for some people that... Um, when you're getting 15 points less, if they can get within two or three or even five, it might be a better pick. So that's the thing. Again, I absolutely love him. think he's a guy that's a bit slept on in in draft leagues. Um, and I think the next two or three years, you're going to get some, some really good returns. Yeah, I'm a big fan of him, but couldn't squeeze him in without it really coming across as confirmation bias for me so uh, I just couldn't go there from from that perspective but absolutely a, a really solid option
a couple of years ago at the back end of 2015, Carlton felt like they won the AFL draft when they snagged Charlie Curnow. And for the first couple of years, things looked good. He was averaging low 70s uh, as a key position forward in 2017 and 2018. Mid to high 70s in Supercoach. And it felt like he was just on that precipice of becoming the next consistent 90 key position forward that, that you just had and, and you desired and wanted to own. But really, the past two years have just been ruined by injuries from him. But now, at the price point we're paying for him, uh, around about 350k in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, a guy that's only... 2025 came more expensive than Jason Horn Francis in Supercoach. That's best 22. That's fit. He just feels like if your structures need it in Dream Team and Fantasy, I think it's Supercoach if he's fit. It's just a lock as far as I'm concerned. But in Dream Team and Fantasy, the iffiness might be you might not need a guy at that range, especially if you're kind of choosing between him and Cam Rayner. Yeah, well, that's the thing, MJ. It's an awkward, it's an awkward price. I think we haven't seen him obviously for a while, so that's a bit. Yep, can be discouraging to some people. They want to at least know that they're fit and firing. I think we all know what a talent he is. I think the thing that's really exciting when you're that cheap is Charlie is capable of the big game. He's yeah. capable of the five goal, ten mark, you know, sixteen disposals, couple tackles. Like he could give you that one twenty in round four or five. Then. Yeah, really just, gets the just, cash just, going. Gets the cash fully going, gives you the score, and you can you know maybe move on when he's averaging in the seventies. Yeah, um, I think again when you start getting that cheap and you start saying there's you know draftees that are comparable price. Yeah, I think that's where you start realizing like you know this guy's priced in the thirties basically. Like it's yeah, we're not we're not asking for a breakout here of an eighty or a ninety. We're asking for quite possibly even a sixty-five, seventy could be. Enough. So Charlie's definitely capable. Yep. You know he's no best twenty two. Yep. Um you just gotta watch him and, and hope he's moving well. But again, he's a bit of a tweener at the time when we did the list, wasn't he, MJ? You couldn't really yeah. you know you hadn't heard enough, you didn't hadn't seen enough. Again, you know the talent's there, you know, as I said, you know he's best twenty two and an important player at Carlton. Yep. But you know, do you want him in your fantasy sides? Is there someone cheaper? So uh, he's on the radar, I think, for everyone. I think everyone wants to see him play. I think that's fair, yep. But I think that's all you can really do at this stage. I think that's really, really fair. I think that's really, really fair summation and, and, and decision about him. All right, last two players, and then a couple of our Patreons have jumped in with a couple of, oh, please explain why this guy didn't make the 50 most relevant. So we'll get to them. Last two players to go, Dylan Stevens from the Sydney Football Club. Um. There's multiple reasons why he didn't make the 50. Let's put one really blaring obvious one. In AFL Fantasy, he's priced at $526,000. When a Matt Rowell is 62K cheaper, <laughs> you don't talk about a guy who doesn't have best 22 security. Even now, he's not best 22 security. So in that format, he's irrelevant. I don't care what he could be. In that format, he's irrelevant. Where it opens up is now more dream team and super coach. In super coach, he's priced at one hundred sixty-seven thousand eight hundred, about one hundred twenty thousand more on top of that. In dream team, the narrative of why you're big on Dylan Stevens is Jordan Dawson goes to the Crows, and Dylan reemerges back into that wing role that he dominated so well at under 18s and at Sandful level. 
Well, that's the thing, isn't it, MJ? He's got the pedigree. Yeah. He's got the pedigree. We know Sydney, one of the better drafting teams. They typically yes. do not miss on someone. And, and again, you love hearing about these stories in the preseason about guys, you know, acknowledging maybe what they didn't do well, you know, knowing they've got yes. strengths. But, you know, Dylan said, I need to get on the inside. You know, if I want to play in the midfield and have a big impact, I can't just be a skinny winger. So when you hear that he's put on, you know, upwards of 10 kilos across yeah. two pre-seasons, it sort of shows a bit of awareness, doesn't it? And when you start hearing inside, you know what that does. Fantasy output, you hear that there's, you know, you know Dawson's gone. Mm-hmm. You know Robottom's been battling some injury. You now know that Mills is battling some injury. So I do get it. I do see the opportunity there for him. Um, I just don't know what your expectation is when you yeah. pick him. Like, what, what are you actually hoping for? As you said, in, in AF, it makes the decision for you at that price tag. Yes. But, you know, super coach, it's, it's awfully tempting. But again, it probably depends more on what's happening around him. What other yeah. options? What are the cows you doing and, and I just And I just don't know what I'm hoping for. I don't really have a read on what I expect he can do or be. Like, I, I believe that he could certainly pop a score. He could definitely pop a ton. That's, that's well within no his doubt. skill set and, and he's playing in a great team. So I have confidence in that sense. But beyond that, I don't really know what, what I'm asking for him, which makes it really hard to speak. I just don't know what my expectation for Dylan is. Again, highly touted, has a lot of traits, has a lot of good guys around him and seems to have some extra opportunity with some players injured and leaving. But yeah. I, I just confidently, I just can't even with any confidence sort of pigeonhole him in a, in a range of scoring. And if you, don't, if you can't make that assessment about a player, yeah. it's impossible to pick them in my opinion because you don't even know and what you're hoping for. If you've got the price tag, you know what they're priced at. Mm. But how do you compare them to another player if you can't make that evaluation? So if someone's a bit more confident, they, they see him as an 80 guy, they see him as a you know, 50 guy, well, you probably make the decision pretty easy. But when you're talking about 50 most relevant guys, yeah. um, I think to be really relevant at that price tag, mm. you need him getting up to 90, don't you? Really, yeah. MJ? And, to, and you need the job security spot. too. Um, yeah, that's the risk. Yeah, so for me, option, absolutely keen to keep a watch on him in the community series. In AF, just jog on and don't think about it. I like him in drafts too, and keep an eye on him in DT and Supercoach. All right, the last player that we're going to talk about before we answer a couple of quick Patreon questions. He's really unlucky, to be fair, this guy, Taron Thomas. Because over the past 12 months, lots has been made about who North Melbourne have brought into the club. Will Phillips, Tom Powell. Jason Horn Francis, the emergence of Jai Simpkin, the addition of Jaden Stevenson through trade. It, they've definitely done the rebuild the right way, North Melbourne. It's certainly the narrative from all in club land and even from a general media and fan base perspective is we go, oh, we see what you're doing and we like what you're doing. But Taron's been there for a number of years and before the role flip, and that's what's got coaches excited, it wasn't great. He was averaging 32% centre bounce attendances between round one and nine, 15 possessions, and an AFL fantasy and dream team score of 66, and averaging 68 in super coach. Then from round 10 onwards, everything changes. His CBAs go up to 49%, so a, a pretty drastic increase of 17% over this stretch of games. While his possessions up five per game, up to 20, and in AFL fantasy, he averaged 92.5. And in Supercoach, 96.7. All the news and the noise coming out of North Melbourne is 
he's going to retain that pretty similar 50-50 split, which means you'll still have games where you'll need some goals to pump the scores, but he'll also have some games where he'll start pushing towards that 30 possessions. He should be in and around that marker of a top 10 forward for us across the formats. Yeah, he's very stiff. He's very stiff. Very unlucky. I think, I think with the news we've got now and the players that we'd, you know, we'd have to drop from the 50, you know, for example, a Walsh would have to fall out. You yeah. Know, and Mitch Duncan would have to... Aaron Hall, potentially. Yeah, so yeah. He'd, be, he'd be in the 50. Him and Isaac Heaney, I think the guys I've spoken about, would comfortably, comfortably be in. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think it's a guy that was in a lot of waiver pools in keeper leagues, was not really touched. Had never ago. really shown fantasy numbers. No, know, not even as a junior. junior yeah. stuff, but you know, clearly super talented. And it's sometimes hard to get a read on these academy guys because you know a lot of clubs don't really need to put the same level of time into. Yeah, them. they know, know they're going that, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, and their recruiters know, and you know, they obviously know they're extremely talented at the other clubs, but no they're not really going to get a chance at getting them. Satarum mm-hmm. um, was a guy that you just you just thought, wow, in that back half of the year, there's not many guys that can do the things he can do. I think a lot of people thought he was an outside guy, but yeah. he showed really clean hands. He showed a great burst. Yeah. He's a really nice point of difference for that North midfield. So what I'm saying is I think he will get that role. I think what he did was just super, super special. Now, there's one thing to do it in the back half of a season, isn't it, MJ? There's another totally. thing to do it for 22 weeks. Yes. Um, and I think that's going to be his challenge as he enters his fourth year, which, you know, is the type of year when you can really establish yourself because he's on people's radars now, isn't he? Yeah. Whether it's opposition or fantasy or just, you know, footy people, they know the name. I think they knew he was highly touted and he was an academy kid out of Tassie and and all this sort of stuff. And it was a good story. Um, But he's impacting on games now. Like Mm. he is the type of guy that probably along with Zerha is those, is their X factors. Those guys that can kick three in a minute can, can do things that not a lot, not a lot of other guys can do. Yes. Uh, now, can he do it for 22? That's the thing that I keep coming back to. And, and I say it in a sense of not just him, but is there a tension? Is there a few things that happen that stop him doing that? I think if you're going in with expectation of high 80s, I think you'll be pretty happy. Yep. If you think there's another gear, I don't quite see the 9500 season yet. But again, we've lost potentially a Mitch Duncan. Mm-hmm. We know there's some concerns about Taranto in the early part yeah, of the Yeah, Braden Maynard's not going to get as much midfield time, so he's probably slid out of what would have yeah. been there. Yeah. But even if you're competing in the forwards, MJ, maybe it's, you know, Heaney jumps up into that top six sort of crew. Sure. I think I think Taran is certainly capable. Yes, um, I don't doubt that. As I said, it's just, we're talking about a full season now. Yes. You, know, you can't really have many bad games if you want to be a 95 type of guy. Or, or you need to show a big feeling. And he hasn't, quite showed the big ceiling yet. He hasn't shown, you know, there's a 130, 140 type of game there. Yeah. Um, but he's super talented. He's building beautifully. You'd have a lot of fun watching him, but yeah. I think he has caught the eye of opposition players as well and opposition coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and while he hasn't got attention yet, and Jai Simpkin did struggle with a little bit of his attention, Yep. I think there's going to be some heat that comes his way, and I'm really curious to see how he deals with that. Yeah, I am too. Um, he's a good player, though, and it's going to be fascinating to watch his footy journey continue on. All right, our, our patrons have got a last couple of players to look at before we do wrap up this episode, looking at 10 players that were unlucky to miss the 50 most relevant. They've given us some other names that didn't make the list of 10. TK wants to know, reckon Wines might have been a bit stiff. Brownlow medal, 22-game season. 
Couldn't have done much more. I think that's a fair shout, TK. But let's put his season in perspective. He's ranked 15th in Supercoach for total points. These are midfielders just last year that scored more than him. McRae, Steele, Oliver, Bontempelli, Miller, Lyons. I know there's some regression concerns some have there, but Lyons nonetheless. Mitchell, Walsh, early injury. Laird, Merritt, Parrish. And by the way, 25 points away is Christian Petrarca and not far off the back is Josh Kelly. All those guys made the 50 because I either think they are better or have more upside than Ollie Wines in that format. Let's go to AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. And then, Kane, I'm, I'm keen on your take. He had a very good year there. These are the players that scored more than him last year. Steele, Lyons, McRae, Mitchell. And then it's him. So he had a very good year. But are you honestly telling me you'd pick Wines over any of those five midfielders ahead of him? For me, the answer is absolutely not. And a good friend uh, of the podcast off the draft doctors and the pod pod, the statesman, um, he's done a lot of research and work around guys that have quote unquote banner years or their Brownlow years, pretty much with the exception of the goat Gary Ablett, most of them have some significant fantasy regression the 12 months beyond it. Yeah, well, I think MJ, that was his best year. And yeah, and it was it. great. He had a great year and he won a Brownlow medal, but in this game, we're always projecting forward. Like, it's a what have you done for us lately or what are you going to do for us next? We don't really care to say that they had a great year last year. If you don't see the upside, you don't see any yep. more improvement. Which I don't. Like, that's why he misses the list. So, again, great player, deserved Brownlow medalist, had a great season. Um, but a great season wasn't even pushing those big, big dogs. And when you think about even just having 10 elite midfielders in there, that's... That's a fifth of the list. Mm-hmm. You haven't even you haven't even thrown in the other lines, mid prices, guys returning from injury, underpriced totally. premium. Like there's just not enough slots. There's only fifty slots. Mm-hmm. Um, and as good as Ollie was, I, I see, I do see a dip. I, I just don't see backing up quite that level, um, and I certainly don't see a remark a market of improvement to take him to a one fifteen DT guy or a one you know, 20 super coach guy. I just don't. Again, could prove me wrong. Happy to be proven wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wouldn't have put him in my 50 either. No. Uh, another one that's been thrown in as a quick question of what happened from Craig Keel. Um, and also Aiden put the same name out there, Patrick Dangerfield. For me, the reason he didn't make the list, again, keen on, on your thoughts off the back of this, Kane, but an average of 86 in Dream Team and Fantasy last year, 104 in Supercoach. Relevant if he's a forward. But as a mid only, we're seeing the scores slowly slip away from the dominant beast through the midfield. And part of that is he has been spending more time forward. But a 107 in 2019 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, a low hundreds adjusted in 2020, and an 86 last year. Again, I know there's an injury impacted score in there that does blur the numbers a little bit. But in Supercoach, we see it more pronounced going over the past four years of his average just dripping away. 121, 115, 113, 104. Um, he's more a super coach guy and always has been beyond a couple, his first two years at Geelong where everything went through danger. I just, he would need to go back to being a 105 midfielder in DT and fantasy and a 115 guy plus in super coach or pick up forward status in the year. But for me, 
I just think there's guys with greater upside at the similar price point. So I can't go there as great as a person and a player as he is. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, MJ. I think there's a chance, obviously, he could get the forward status. That'd be great. Yes. Um, maybe that opens him up, you know, at some point in the season once you've seen that. No doubt. Because um, I think he can still be a one ten super coach, but I don't think that's... Beyond uh, him, no. Crazy. But, but yeah, again, that's not that's... enough. A five-point bump is not enough unless it's a in-season trade and you get him going at 120 for a stretch. Yeah, but also maybe if you know it's an upgrade guy and you get him priced around that and he's going 110 for a forward, if he, if he picks up that forward status, yeah. it's too many ifs and buts, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot of ifs. Season. Yeah, so again, there's only 50 names. We can't, we're not taking anything away from what he's done no, historically. Star. He's one of the best fantasy players we've had. Ever. But... In 2022, do you want Dangerfield? Probably not. Mm, yeah, I think so. He needs the DPP to pop in for me to see him as relevant this year for us, outside of drafts and daily fantasy. All right, Aiden's got our last two players before we wrap up this podcast episode, although Rids tried to get in on the thread uh, in the hidden Patreon group and suggest Dylan Grimes and Toby Nankervis should be able to pop. I'm sorry, mate. That's just not going to happen as much as they are the captains of your football club. And thank you, David, for your nomination of Ralton Roberts. Old school fantasy coaches appreciate you for that suggestion. All right, Aiden's given us two names, both Magpies, Taylor Adams, Scott Pendlebury. I'll let you take Taylor Adams because I think I know where you're going, but I'll let you have him in a moment. He's gone Scott Pendlebury. Aiden, the only reason you're suggesting him is one key reason. Forecasted positional change. Plain and simple that he will pick up DPP in season. That is a probable thing based on everything coming out of the Holden Centre and what Collingwood are saying. But what is he going to do when he's in that role? Is he going to be a 90-plus defender in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team? Is he going to be a 100-plus defender in Supercoach? We all think he could and possibly even should, given how good of a user he is, how he finds space in traffic, what will he do when actually given space and time. So it, it's a very good probable forecast. But what if he's only going at 31% and he stays mid and you're basing a player's relevance on a forecasted, hoped positional move? I just couldn't do that. So for me, it was a, if he picks up defensive status, I'm keen to keep an eye on him. But what does he do? What does it look like? What is the mix back there with Dacos, with Crisp, with Maynard? If Howe can get back and fit, where does Poulter play in this side? Where does Lipinski play? There's just so many unknowns for me that I couldn't say he's in the most relevant, even if all those variables all land his way. Yeah, I totally agree, MJ. Taylor Adams, if there was a D, if it was a DT fifty most relevant, yeah. He's in. Totally agree. Um, I think the Supercoach format, unfortunately, hurts him. He's just not going to be in consideration as one of those elite mids, which he can be in DT. Um, and for that reason, that's why he couldn't be considered for the 50 most relevant. It's a very, fairly nice way to say it. He had a very, very good 2020 season um, in Supercoach where he went 109.5. Last year was okay, a 95. But I think if the best you've ever done in your career, and you've been in the AFL system for 10 years, the best you've ever done is play 17 games, go 109, and it was in a questionable season in the sense of it's not full games, the scoring waiting, it's a little unknown. That's not even enough to be a top 10 super coach guy 
in the midfield. So for me, I go DTAF, sure, happy to do it. But again, you've got to go back to 2017, the last time he's averaged over 110. Um, he's great. I love him as a player. Um, but there, even now, the conversation is we need to be less Taylor Adams-centric as a midfield time. And from a fantasy perspective in DTNAF, that's just enough to turn me away from thinking him, okay, this guy could be the big bull beast 110 that we know he has been um, at, at one point in time in his career. So good option. Just couldn't squeeze him into the 50. Hey, Kane, appreciate your work, not just through this episode, but all of the episodes I've had you on through the preseason so far. No problem, MJ. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Uh, if you want to go and check out any of the other players that we did review and reveal in the 50 Most Relevant, the articles are at coachespanel.tv. You can go and check out those podcasts as well. Just wherever you're streaming and downloaded this podcast episode from, you can go back and check those out, whether it be Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your Apple Podcasts. They are all there. Still plenty of content to come for you this preseason. The game reviews start to happen now that those practice and community series games are about to get underway more team reveals more strategies and a bunch of other stuff to come through articles and podcasts this preseason and we can't wait to spend more time chatting about all the variables that might happen for you and your fantasy footy side in 2022